So taking LinkedIn, I would say that a leader could do it in 10 to 15 minutes a day maximum. Um, and that includes engagement and content. If you're posting three times a week um, and you're doing a, a, a minimal amount of engagement on the newsfeed um, and just going through your connection requests, 10 to 15 minutes a day, everybody's got 10, 10 to 15 minutes a day. And especially if you know that it directly impacts your talent acquisition, you know it directly impacts your own personal brand and reputation, and it directly influences how people perceive you within your organization, then for me, 10 to 50 minutes a day is not something that should be ignored. Welcome to the Connected Leadership Podcast, hosted by Andy Lapata, the show where Andy and his guests explore the many ways in which relationships impact business decisions, make leaders' jobs easier, and help you to progress your career. Hello and welcome to the Connected Leadership Podcast. I'm Andy Lapata. Thank you very much for joining me. I am joined today by two people I've known for a long time, uh, have worked closely with, whose company I've enjoyed a lot over a number of years, and I've really been looking forward uh, to, to this conversation. My first guest is Phil Jones. Phil is the Managing Director of Brother UK, and he is a, a very successful business leader. He's, a, he's a, a winner of regional business awards, Northwest Business Person of the Year amongst them. Uh, and he's someone that I quote in a lot of my talks. He's been quoted in my books. Uh, we've had a number of conversations. You can find videos with me talking to Phil on YouTube. We've talked a lot over the years about all manner of things to do with business. Um, but the reason uh, Phil is on this conversation with me today, uh, Phil and I met through Twitter. Um, I We just started engaging with each other's tweets. I think actually Phil started engaging with mine because we had uh, a mutual contact, Warren Cass, if I remember correctly. Uh, and off the back of that, Phil invited me to be his guest at uh, Business Awards that Brother was sponsoring, and we got to know each other and grow the relationship from there. So Phil really stands out for me as a senior level business leader who's very actively engaged in social media and continues to be to this day, because that was quite a number of years ago when we first engaged. And I've invited uh, to join us um, someone that Phil and I share in common as a, a mutual contact and someone we work with, and that's Sam Rathling, who's the founder and chief visionary officer of Pipeline 44. Um, Sam actually um, reached out to me after seeing me speak uh, because she was working with Brother uh, and brought me into work with the Brother Europe division. And Sam and I have worked quite closely uh, on that Brother account, making sure that our different approaches fit together. Um, so it, it made sense to bring Sam in on this conversation as well, because what I want to look at is how leaders uh, can embrace social media and why it's so important. So many of the people that I work with in leadership roles see it as a distraction, particularly uh, LinkedIn, which is what most people will focus on. Um, but we have someone here, Phil, who who doesn't see it as a, as a distraction, but actually uses it as an essential tool and someone else who works with leaders to help them make much more of LinkedIn in particular. So it seemed to make sense to bring both together onto the podcast. So Sam and Phil, thank you very much for joining me. And it's always great to be chatting with you. Morning, Andy. Thank you so much for the invitation to be here. And I can't wait to have this conversation with Phil. Phil, Phil. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Phil, let, let, let's let's start with, with your approach to social media. Uh, because I've talked there about how we connected through Twitter. 
you've remained engaged. Uh, I, I still see you posting frequently on social media to this day and not just posting this is the latest brother product, uh, but, but really engaging with people uh, in the way you, you approach it. How central is it to your role? And what does it allow you to do that you couldn't do before, if you can remember that far back? Uh, I can indeed, Andy, uh, yes. And when I kind of was thinking about this question, um, I I got thinking about um, a job that I'd recently done, which is uh, really beginning to record the competencies needed, in my view, to be a senior leader in today's modern economy. And when I looked across those competencies, um, I'm currently at 52, Andy, um, competencies needed, and of which about 32 of those are sort of technical subject matter based competencies. And around 20 of those are kind of what I would describe as leadership competencies that you need to display to actually run the business or culture. Um, And in that 32, that sort of first part, um, social media is one of them and uh, and content, actually. Um, And that falls into kind of a, a wider sort of theme around marketing so for me um, for you know to be relevant today a leader absolutely has to be uh, on social media in my opinion uh, people expect it when I onboard people at brother I meet everybody that joins the business um, I ask them you know what what investigation work did you do before you joined us uh, where did you look and they're looking uh, at the leader Uh, whether they're active on social media, they're looking at the business itself, what things are they saying, when did they last post, you know, do you have a sense of modernity, whatever that might be. So for now, for for me, um, to be in sort of 2022 and to be a leader and not on social media, I'm not actually sure you're sending out such a great message to either a future talent or indeed a, a customer base that may also be considering to do business with you. What, what sort of response are you getting from other leaders when you discuss this with them, particularly those that aren't as active as you? M- mixed, frankly. Uh, and I'm sure Sam's got a lot of contribution to make here. Um, for, for many, they really just don't see it as uh, part of the skill stack of a CEO. They, you know, they just see financial management, you know, running the business, preparing the management accounts, checking the strategy, all that kind of good stuff. But, but I think, um, you know, you, you've got to really think of it in terms of expectation economy. Think about you in your personal life when things don't go right. What's the first thing you want to do? You want to think about how you complain or how you raise an issue or get more information. So for me, access to uh, senior people is really important. People don't have time. And as a result of that, their expectation of you as a business is that you are responsive. If they do have an issue that they want to raise, they want to know whether or not you as a business are taking them seriously. So for a customer-focused business like Brother, whether that be with a channel partner or indeed an end user of our product, um, having that kind of direct line, that direct response, uh, for me, is an absolute mandatory as part of our customer value proposition. So can I play devil's advocate just on that point for the moment? There's a danger, obviously, there that you're going to be, you're going to create an expectation amongst your customers that they've got access to you when, in fact, it's someone else's role uh, to engage with that. And that's going to be a distraction to you in your job and what you need to do. Uh, And I can see a lot of leaders thinking that way. Um, How do you manage that? 
Uh, pretty simple, really. I, I have my technical support teams monitoring all the right hashtags that already exist on social media. So, so fundamentally, most of the interventions that need to take place are already being taken place. It's just that somebody is probably likely to find you as the, the most senior person in the business first and tag you. Um, i.e. So the key thing is there is just making sure you have other processes that sit behind the business to that can jump in. All really people are saying is, I want to be heard. I'm feeling frustrated. I'm somehow not getting listened to, or I don't have time, or it's urgent. So as long as you have uh, the background processes to, to, to do those things, that's totally fine. There are other times, of course, when things are perhaps more serious, whether it's a customer-related issue, uh, where actually, yeah, I will jump in and I'll have a quick look at it and go, yeah, do you know what? That does need me to say something. And uh, and I will. Um, but I guess we, we, we'll come back to this issue uh, at some stage of, well, how much time do you spend a day on social media? Because that's one of the questions I get asked a lot. So hopefully we'll have a chance to answer that, Andy, um, as we chat today. Well, that was actually going to be my next question to you, but I was going to bring in Sam first. So uh, I will come back to, to you on that in, in a few moments. But Sam, I, I introduced Phil as someone that I see as a standout leader when it comes to engagement on social media. <laughs> is that what you see? Are, are there many people that are engaging at the level that Phil is? Um, and, and if not, what would you say uh, is the most, you know, what's the, the blend that you see when you're engaging with different large businesses? Well, first off, Phil is a prime example of someone who has totally embraced social selling, both on the LinkedIn environment and other platforms as well. So he's always someone that I reference whenever I'm doing training with other leaders as somebody to look at, because um, Phil, you've done an amazing job at building your personal brand, positioning yourself as a thought leader, as somebody who is an industry expert. And, you know, that will help you in your role as a leader, but also, as you've already mentioned, it is a lot to do with attracting great talent. It is a lot to do with perception from and reputation because ultimately, whether it's your LinkedIn profile or whether it's your any other profile on social, that is your digital reputation. And I don't think enough leaders really understand the importance of personal brand. And yes, you work within a larger organization which has its own, you know, brand values, etc. But you know, it's so important. People will go and check you out. People will go and look at leaders of an organization before they join one. So I think Phil is a shining example of someone that absolutely embraces the role of a leader within the social environment. And I just wish more leaders were like Phil and actually understood the power of building your personal brand through social media. So, so when you're you're talking to other leaders, and I'm, I'm, you know, I know that a lot of the work you do at Pipeline Forty Four is around taking actually taking on a lot of the the LinkedIn work from busy companies and and doing that lead generation for them. So, when you're talking to to other leaders about the importance of engaging, let's let's stay on LinkedIn, and I think LinkedIn can speak for different platforms, and I'll come to that later. Um, but when you're talking to to them about the importance of engaging on LinkedIn themselves. Uh, how how do you sway them? How do you bring them, you know, how do you, how do you win them over and what sort of impact is that making? So the first thing I get them to do is I get them to take a step back and actually look at their own LinkedIn profile through the eyes of a few different people. So firstly, through the eyes of their existing customers. Like if you were an existing customer of your business and you went to look at your own LinkedIn profile, what would you think about you how does it represent you? Are you showing up as the best version of yourself? So that's one way to look at their profile. 
The second thing is through the eyes of somebody that might be looking to join your business. If you are practically invisible on social media and you're looking to attract great talent, which let's face it, in current times is one of the hardest things to do, then you are going to be missing an absolute trick when it comes to that side of things. So imagine you're a candidate look, you know, who's an A-star talent, an A-star player who could pick any company to work for and they go check you out on LinkedIn. What are they going to think? And then look at it through the eyes of your partners and look at it through the eyes of all different people and step step back because the LinkedIn profile is the first you know thing that people look at. It's the shop window to the world. Your LinkedIn profile is networking 24-7 when you're in meetings, when you're on holiday, when you're enjoying time with your family. Your LinkedIn profile is out there representing you and representing your company brand as well. So I get first off people to really take a hard look at their own profiles and think, really, would I be impressed if I was somebody looking from the outside in? So that's the first thing. And that's really one of the fundamentals. And I think the second thing to realize is that a lot of companies are really focused on their marketing department putting content out onto their company page, which is something that I recommend that they do. But a person inside a company and all of the staff that work inside an organization will get 10 times the reach of any post that goes out on a company page. So imagine multiplying that up across the leadership team, across your C-suite, across all of your staff, whether they work in sales or any other department, if everybody in the organization embraced social selling and embraced the power of content, especially when it's free and organic, especially on platforms like LinkedIn, you know, the power of that is unbelievable. And the reach that a company can can have and the competitive advantage that somebody can have. So I think it's about getting people to understand what that actually means and overcoming this fear, because I think a lot of leaders have a lot of fear around social selling. They put these crazy social media policies in place that make everybody so scared to post anything on the newsfeed for fear of doing something wrong. And they really don't understand that, you know, you the power of these platforms is unbelievable for their business. So I think for me, when I'm trying to sway them to consider it, it's about helping them to understand what that reach can actually do for their business and really sharing case studies and sharing stories of companies like Brother, for example, that have gone out there and spent years embedding social selling into their into their culture. I, I, I want to sort of really dig a bit deeper into this question of the content that you post, because you talked about using the example of the reach individual profiles have against company page. So if everyone on the leadership team shares that content, then you've got greater reach. I think that's great. I have one issue with it, and that is that with the clients that I work with on LinkedIn, I will tend to find that they will only share company branded content that's been created for them by the marketing department. And I find that levels of engagement are really low uh, and it doesn't tell me anything about them. It doesn't get me to engage. Phil, if I can come to you, I want to come to both of you on this question, but I've come to you first. That's not your content. Um, in fact, I think I, when I see your content, it's not that often about brother products. It's there, but it's not that often. It, it, it's a much varied range, which which differs from others within brother and it differs from, from other clients that I work with. Um, how do you decide what you're going to share and what's the right blend for you? Yes, uh, I, for me, the last thing people want to be seeing is just me pumping out adverts for brother. Um, it's a complete waste. 
um, uh, of people's time and energy. Uh, what they do want to understand is, is actually, for example, and, and when I talk to people about why they should engage, it's like, what unique knowledge do you have that you think you could possibly share with other people, which actually is going to make them better uh, or improve their life or their business or their businesses? And if you were to share that with them and they think that was really good, it's highly likely that they would consider you at some point in the future in their top three box for purchase. So you, you begin to generate familiarity. Now, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I always look at, you know, what, what is that specialist knowledge that I have? Well, I've got specialist knowledge of sales because I came up through the company. I've always been in sales for nearly 30 years. Sales and marketing. Uh, I've got unique experience of, of what it takes to get to the board of a company when you started as a salesperson. So I started in sales and I ended up as the, the managing director of this large technology company, household name, and people are interested, how did you do that and how could I do that? Then what are the unique characteristics, for example, I said a moment ago, or competencies that you need to run a business? So when you're in the chair, what's it like? You know, what is it like to be this person that's got to have all these skills and to keep it, grow a culture and attract talent and do social media, all of these things? How do I do that? And particularly also the leadership play within that. So I tend to keep my posts in those genres and I don't go outside of those lanes very much. And that way you build that individual reputation or, 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 or expertise, which people then have that kind of go to moment. Oh, yeah, I. If I want to read something around this, then I go to Phil. So whenever I'm looking around for content, and there's sometimes just small stories or interactions or things that I see, I think, oh, that's interesting. There's an, in there's an insight about that, which I think is good to share. It doesn't take long to quickly type that insight up and, and share that with people. So I think the key thing for me is if I looked at that balance, Andy, you would probably see about one in 30 posts from me which might be brother related. Uh, the other 29 will probably be leadership, culture, personal development, um, you know, uh, environmental social governance, just general things or, or sharing of lessons learned around my personal journey, which I hope would help others. So let's look at that personal journey because one of the areas of resistance I come across a lot is actually sharing something personal. Uh, and being human. And the point I try and make is that you're trying to connect human to human. Um, Phil Calvert, who's, who's someone who works with LinkedIn with the financial services, um, said it's a social network, you know, with emphasis on the social. Um, how do you get that balance between being professional on there and staying in those lanes that you've chosen, but also letting people know Phil Jones rather than Brother UK? Yeah, and it, this this again just comes down to um, how you create you, you curate your content, Andy. Um, you know, I, I notice, and I'm sure Sam will have a comment on this, that the, the number of posts I see on LinkedIn at the moment that says, I know this isn't a personal platform, but every <laughs> post seems to be starting with that at the moment. Um, whereas uh, I, I try not to do that, I guess. Um, or if I'm going to share something or uh, share an insight, you know, we, I shared an insight relevant to a new puppy that we had. Uh, you know, that, that's a personal insight, yes. But actually there was a bit of learning that supported it. So people get that, oh, there's a cute puppy and it was a cute puppy photo, no doubt. I didn't do it for that. What I, what I got was was sort of how you've got to readjust your life 
and the way you run your life when you've got this new thing come back into your house and how all your schedules get kind of disrupted to some degree. So there's always a message in, in everything. But I tend to keep, um, I don't overshare my personal life. That's probably a better way to put it. I don't overshare. You may give an occasional insight, perhaps on, for me, something like Twitter. I might, I might reveal more personal insights there. But I tend to keep LinkedIn mostly professional, 95 to 98% of the time, in, yeah. my, in my opinion. Uh, that way you're you're using a personal experience to uh, produce professional insights, I think does provide a nice bridge. So it's not like Facebook, uh, but it's got to be authentic. It can't be shoehorned in. Uh, and, and that's what I'll often try to do, sometimes just with a sense of humour. But whereas on Facebook or Instagram, I'll post a picture of, I go for walks in the lovely area I live. I love taking nature photography around there. I'll just post the images. On LinkedIn, I might say, I've just delivered this. I've just done that. Now I need some fresh air and I'm looking after myself and just create that professional twist to it. Mm. Uh, and I think that that lands better with people on LinkedIn. There is one more thing, Andy, which I think is worth mm. uh, raising, which is I write all my own stuff. An agency doesn't do it for me. Yeah. And I know that, again, sometimes when I've been and I've discussed this idea with other uh, senior leaders, they, they've just come back with, oh, brilliant, you know, I'll get the PR company to write me a few posts. And it's kind of, you, you just get totally found out. And, yeah. um, the, you know, it's really about that that authentic experience. So, so basically, if you're going to share and you're going to start uh, ramping up your content, then just make sure it's you. Uh, that's a really important point and I'm, I, after this I'll come to Sam for your perspective on everything we've just talked about uh, so I hope you've been listening uh, <laughs> but a, a good friend of mine a, a former podcast guest I'm not going to name and shame I haven't got his permission to do that but he but he posted on LinkedIn um, about two months ago saying uh, I'm I've now got someone who I'm still going to write the posts but I've got someone who's going to post it for me because I'm just focusing on how I spend my time and his posts are brilliant. They're provocative. He's one of the best posters I know on LinkedIn. And the conversation they generate is engaging and, and vibrant. And my response to him was, please don't do this. Yes, you're going to write them, but you're not going to be around to comment on them. And if you're not commenting on them, you're broadcasting, not engaging. And I think that's going to impact that discussion. And I've seen him post much more frequently. Uh, because we know someone's doing it for him, but he's not responding to comments. And the comment, the discussion is just dying a death. And you talk about the authentic experience. That's not him. That's not his personal brand. And I think it's damaging to him in the long term. So I'm, I'm pleased you said that. And if he's listening, you know who you are. So, <laughs> Sam, uh, so, so what's, what's your take on, first of all, getting the right blend of putting the marketing messaging out there? And obviously, you're talking a lot about social selling and you're coming from that sales uh, perspective. Um, but getting that, that mix between getting that sales message out there and being yourself and letting people in and in, engaging in conversation and then how people let their personal side shine through in a way that's, um, that, that everyone could be comfortable with on LinkedIn. Yeah, I think um, what Phil said is, you know, definitely echoes what I would share as well. I mean, you know, there's always a business or professional angle to any personal story. So it's okay to sh to pull back the curtains a little bit on who you are as a person, because 
ultimately people buy from people it is about that human connection and you know if somebody is training for a marathon or is you know has got something going on their on in their life that you can connect with you might just move somebody that's in your pipeline or somebody that's been watching you you just might make that connection with them in a completely different way because you shared something um, outside of you know your brand your product etc so I think it's really important to have an element of personal. And I agree with you, Phil, it does wind me up that people start all their posts with, this is, I know this is a personal story, but um, but I think it's, you know, a, a good mix. I'd say for me, I, I go with the kind of 80, 80, 90% of the posts need to be kind of more professional. And then it's okay to bring five to 10% of them in on a personal story. I'll quite often share um, stuff about my kids or, you know, but it will be lessons that I've learned along the way and how I can apply them in a business environment. Um, I think people often think that content creation takes too much time and it's very a big effort. You know, it doesn't have to be every single day. It doesn't have to be three times a day. It can be three times a week. You know, if somebody just went from not posting anything to posting three times a week consistently, but not resharing someone else's content, actually being an original content creator, it still baffles me that there's only you know, three to five percent of members on LinkedIn and there are over 800 million of them now that actually post their own original content. I think just take that statistic, you know, if you're in that small minority of people who are actually posting and you, the leadership team of the other companies that you compete against are not and are practically invisible. You can totally elevate your brand as a leader and totally elevate your brand as an overall business just by getting visible on the newsfeed. So for me, content is about raising your visibility, but also raising your credibility. If you do both of those two things at the same time and really position yourself in the right way, content can really take you to a whole other level. I love the fact that you post your own um, content, Phil. I think that's fantastic. And I, I see you engaging all the time on the newsfeed, but something like engagement does not have to take a huge amount of time. It's a three to five minute a day, a day job maximum. You know, it's very easy to do on the mobile app. It's very easy to do in between meetings or while you're waiting for someone to show up for a Zoom call. It doesn't have to be a big chunk out of your day. And content for me is everywhere. You know, every single day you're around content, but if you're not tuned into, oh, I need to post about this, then it's quite hard to see it. So I think people get stuck with, what am I going to post about? They look at the page thing. I know I need to be posting, but what on earth am I going to post about? So just a really easy style of post is a documentary style. So it's just sharing what you're up to. I mean, Phil, you did a great post the other day about you being at an event. You were talking about culture. You posted a great picture and you shared some of the learnings that you'd had from being in a room talking about culture it was a fantastic post. Um, so I think, you know, just every single diary entry that a leader has is an opportunity to create a piece of content. In fact, for me, it's three pieces of content, because if you've got something in your diary, you can have a before post, a during post and an after post. So that's three pieces of content from every single appointment in your diary. And just looking at your calendar can actually give you some inspiration. Um, and the other thing with documenting is also then to think about taking photographs or taking videos whenever you're, you know, with your team or whenever you're out and about an event or things like that. So it's just about tuning into the fact that content is everywhere and it's not difficult when you start to actually do it. I think it's just a case for most leaders of just starting and not worrying about the views and worrying about the engagement in the beginning. It's just about getting that consistency of actually getting on the newsfeed and posting something and getting started. Andy's new book, Just Ask, Why Seeking Support is Your Greatest Strength, is out now. Looking at the importance of asking for help and admitting vulnerability, 
It is an essential read in challenging times. Order your copy from Amazon and all good book retailers now, or visit andylapata.com forward slash just ask. There's a few things I want to I want to pick out from that if I can. The first is uh, you talked about it's it's not difficult to engage on a regular basis. You said three to five minutes maximum. I I I um, pose what I call the ten minute challenge to the groups I work with, which is ten minutes a day on your newsfeed. Uh, if you're commuting, which is obviously coming back now in between meetings, downtime. Get your phone, go to the LinkedIn home uh, app, scroll through the news feed, scroll through it so you're not stuck with the same people at the top every time and like, comment or share um, and, and score yourself one point for liking, two points for commenting, three points for sharing and set yourself a target for the week. And that alone would accelerate you into that top that upper percentile of LinkedIn users in terms of yeah, engagement. Absolutely. Yeah, um, for sure. So, so we're, we're on the same page with, with that, absolutely. Um, there's a there's actually a new feature on LinkedIn that might help people with this because I know the newsfeed can get quite clogged up and it can mm. often have things that are irrelevant in there. What you can now do is if you're following somebody on LinkedIn, you can now ring a notification bell on their profile so that every time they post, you get notified that they have posted something. So if I were to ring Phil's bell on his, uh, metaphorically, on your LinkedIn profile, Phil, um, I would get notified every time you post something, which means that I'm now seeing the content in my newsfeed of my customers, of my prospects that are in my pipeline, of the leaders that I want to follow. And actually that engagement, if you engage very intentionally on the posts of your um, customers, partners, people in your pipeline, et cetera, that that one feature is really helping to drive what's coming into my newsfeed. So that might be a tip for people as well to follow. It's a great tip. One I discovered a week or two ago, and, and I think it's a brilliant one. Uh, and, and it's all about being insight in mind. And, and you can't do that if you're just reading someone's posts. You need to let them know that you're actively doing it. So that's on the engagement uh, area. I was going to ask you, because um, I know a lot of people struggle to think, where do I get started in creating content? But I think you've answered that brilliantly. So instead, I'm going to ask you what you think about the various um, types of posts people can, can post up there. So you talked about taking an engaging photo. How important mm -hmm. is that to get your post noticed? Uh, are polls worth doing? I mean, I've got a slide that I, I share with my LinkedIn uh, sessions where someone posted, uh, you know, how many cups of coffee do you drink a day? And they were over a thousand votes in, in a few days, um, which may be baffling to a lot of people, but they got engagement and they, they're reaching out to people who are engaging with, with that poll. So, you know, whether it's polls, whether it's... Um, photos whether it's anything else what do you think people need to be aware of and what do you think might be a bit of a distraction sam so one of the things to be aware of with the linkedin um, algorithm is one of the things that prioritizes posts is a couple of things so the first thing is dwell time so that is how long is somebody staying on my post for so that's why you see things like text only posts that are quite lengthy and quite long and take a lot of time to read doing quite well even though they have no images no photos no videos anything with them if somebody clicks on that see more button and opens up the long text post and actually spends time reading it that's going to trigger the algorithm to say well people are engaging heavily with this post because they're spending a lot of time on that post it's why document posts do quite well. Hardly anybody uses document posts and that's simply uploading a PDF or uploading a PowerPoint slide deck. But because it takes people a while to scroll through the carousel of those pages, the dwell time on those is quite high. So text only posts do very well at the moment. 
um, at the time of recording this, it changes all the time. Um, document posts will do quite well. An engaging video where there's either strong education or entertainment will do quite well as well. Um, images, I think yeah, it's important to use them for visual, obviously, but I, I tend to find that the ones that have a, have a multitude of images, so kind of five to eight images tend to do better than where it's just one. Um, but for me, it's more important that the quality and the engagement level on the post is high. And one of the best ways to do that is to actually include a question within the post, because when you ask a great question, you drive engagement and you drive discussion underneath the post. And, you know, if you can create people's opportunity to put their opinion underneath the post and people are using quite strong and longer comments underneath the post, all of that is triggering the algorithm to show more people that post. So just like you said earlier, Andy, the importance of engaging back, if you're not commenting back on people's comments, you're missing a huge opportunity to keep that post running for two, three, four weeks. Um, and even when you're replying to people in the comments, use questions because people will answer underneath and suddenly you'll have a whole discussion happening underneath the post. And I think one thing that people don't realize is that, you know, when you comment on someone else's post or engage with someone else's post, it's not just the person who created the post that you're getting visible with. You're getting visible with every single other person that has already liked, commented, reacted to that post. So if you go in and my CEO does this all the time, he's quite opinionated. Um, so my business partner, Nick, he will he will tend to go in and, and put a quite a strong opinion on other people's posts. And it's usually quite the opposite of what the person has said, because he likes to, you know, be uh, a little bit divisive in terms of his opinions. And, you know, his opinions are quite strong. So he'll put um, comments underneath other people's posts, but he'll receive 500, 800 connections a month off the back of his engagement on on and. He's not a prolific poster, but he's a prolific engager on the newsfeed. So I think just understanding some of these things that actually drive the algorithm. Um, there are, I mean, polls are, you mentioned polls. They are definitely not as popular as they were. There's there's always a flavor of the month kind of type of post and polls obviously had their day. They still are quite popular. And I would always recommend if you are going to do a poll that you choose four options. But the fourth one being um, something else, comment below rather than just picking four things for people to choose from, because that way you're driving engagement again underneath the post. But I mean, people get very hung up on views and engagements and interactions and impressions, um, which can sometimes stop people, especially if they post something and they don't get the engagement they hope for. It kind of gives them a bit of fear around, oh, did nobody like it? But the, the magic is in those LinkedIn lurkers. It's in the people that don't actually engage. It is you know, if you're posting content, people are out there watching the newsfeed all the time. They might not be engaging, but quite often it's the LinkedIn lurkers that are the ones watching and they're the ones who will step forward when they're ready to because you've stayed top of mind with them. Uh, yes, I, you mentioned earlier uh, that you, you, you'll say to a lot of leaders, just start posting and don't worry about the engagement. Um, one of the best uh bits of advice I got was on a business accelerator program I was on over the start of the pandemic um, from a guy called Baiju Solanke um, and I've probably mentioned it on the podcast before Baiju's uh, shared this acronym with us NATO and NATO is not attached to the outcome and I find that so powerful with with social media because you can spend so much time worrying about do people like what I've posted and you don't know who's lurking. You don't know who's engaging with it in ways you can't see. Uh, and it doesn't matter anyway. And, and if people aren't engaging with it, they're not probably not seeing it 
put something else out, that's absolutely fine. Um, so Phil, for you, how much do you measure that engagement and how much attention do you pay to what posts are working and what aren't? And have you noticed any patterns in terms of what has the biggest resonance with the people that are following you? Yes, I mean, the way I, I think about this, Andy, it w would be kind of a bit like, uh, let's just say you were thinking of placing an advert and uh, let's say it was um, targeted at, at people that like Formula One racing. Where, where's the best place for you to place your billboard for that advert? It's probably not going to be on a country road or perhaps on an A road. But if you put that billboard on the road that leads into Silverstone, you're probably going to get more relatable eyeballs on your post than anything else because all the people piling in are all Formula One fans. So you want them to see it because they are your engaged audience. So therefore, for me, when we think about content again, we, we you know just loop us back to where we were earlier. I, I've decided what my lanes are and, I, and I'll put blogs and content out on those particular subject matters in order that I'm reaching the specific people who are really more interested in that type of theme fundamentally. Um, so when I do post, yeah, I will have a look. Okay, um, is this one flying is this one just been read and on average i mean i uh, i don't have a large linkedin network maybe about five thousand, something like that i try and curate my network more specifically and this might be a another good question for sam in a moment is you know what's better scale or uh, or specialism um I, for me i've always gone with specialism so i i look at every invite that comes in i don't connect with everybody um what i'm really interested in is the quality of the people that i have there and therefore if i'm posting that content to that community they are the people that i'm fundamentally trying to influence people in senior leadership positions um decision makers, uh, entrepreneurs that own their own companies, that kind of play. They're the sort of audience that I'm talking to. And um, so with about 5,000 people in my network, an average post, uh, which might not necessarily have a lot in it, just maybe just a quick thought, might be seen by 1,000. Um, probably my most successful was 200,000. And, and uh, when I look at the difference as to what people tend to engage with, people tend to engage a lot more with um, generally uh, something that's probably empathetic. Um, they, they love hearing. Uh, so the most popular post were, was actually to do with the um, letter that somebody gets if they apply for any sort of job at Brother. Someone just writes a letter in and says, hello, have you got any vacancies? Um, if we haven't, we respond to everybody. But what they get back is, is a letter from me, which, which kind of encourages them to stay on with the search. And although we haven't got any, to sort of give them a little bit of motivation to say, look, Colonel Sanders knocked on a thousand doors and don't give up. So even though we don't have anything, keep your journey going. That just absolutely flew. So I think the, the, the winning pattern um, is always, I think, you know, just bringing a human element to the thing that you're posting about. Yes, I'm posting about technology sometimes or trends or cultural leadership. But when there's a genuine uh, empathetic theme within that, I think those things tend to uh, resonate with people. Clearly, post-pandemic also, too, I think we're just in a sort of a new area of sensitivity around, uh, around em uh, empathy. Yeah, and I, I I completely agree with with you on that. What I've seen, the the posts that have the most engagement on my newsfeed, are where people are being a bit more open, a bit more vulnerable, 
or, or talking about others uh, with that sense of empathy. And, you know, Phil, you've shared a lot for um, my book, Just Ask on Vulnerability. So I know that you're very tuned into that. And I think that comes through in the way that you engage socially. Now, you've given me an opening onto my current hobby horse. Um, so I can't ignore that. And uh, anyone who listened to last week's interview with on the podcast with Ruth Gottien will have, would have heard me talk about the changes at LinkedIn in terms of not allowing you anymore to reply to people who are sending you a connection request, but using the template LinkedIn, I'd like to add you to my personal network uh, message, um, which is very difficult because I have the same approach as you. Um, I, I mean, my approach is if I don't know you and I don't know why you want to connect, I will ask you. I won't just delete it. Now I'm left not with that option, but to accept or delete, which I think is a major miss by by LinkedIn and, and, and a real issue. Um, how how have you approached connection requests from people you don't know that haven't been personalised to date? And how would this impact that? Well, from my side, Andy, uh, I get a lot of LinkedIn connection requests and um, they, they can be at different times, of course. If you've just spoken on stage at a conference, they come firing in and it's highly likely yeah. that somebody's seen you speak and just wants to connect with you. So it's like, yes, all the way through. But if I haven't done that and you're getting lots of just random connections through, and particularly for me, it, there are certain um, roles and industries, for example, let's say recruitment or even technology services, whatever, where I just I, I get far more than perhaps any other um, uh, of the a sector and if it's just um, somebody that, that just sent a request and hasn't added any personalization in it who from those industries probably rare that I tend to sort of approve those um, but what I will do is before I make if I did decline that I would have a quick look to see if we've got connections in common whether they might have read a post of mine recently or shared it whatever that might be because it could well be that someone's just uh, generally read a post and thought that's great I'd like to connect with you brilliant so I go yeah that's absolutely fine because they want to keep in touch with some of the things yeah. that you talk about but for me when, a, when an invitation is personalized it goes right to the top of the heap um, because you can actually see what's going on and go, oh, yeah, you know, I saw you speak or I've heard this or I've heard the other. Um, and um, therefore, I'm personalised this request. And um, then it's far easier for me to let somebody into my LinkedIn network. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I think if there's one message from this, personalise your connection request. Sam, quality or quantity? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it depends on the role. So as a leader, I think it's OK to be quite selective about who you mm. accept into your network. If, however, you're, I'm talking to a sales division and their role is about prospecting, it's about um, targeting new accounts, expanding existing accounts, et cetera, it's a different situation. So, you know, as a leader, I wouldn't be expecting someone to be out there actively prospecting, building their network proactively. But obviously, you do want to probably keep your network quite tight because you will be targeted as a leader by all sorts of people trying to, you know, get into that organization. So just a simple thing like changing your title on your professional headline from job title at company will help because if you have a professional headline that doesn't actually have your job title in the professional headline, you're less likely to be targeted by as a leader by people that are looking to sell something to you. So I think it's okay to be quite protective about your network as a, in a leadership position, just like you are, Phil. Um, I am, and again, it depends on the role. I will always look at somebody is somebody's profile before I accept them. I also highly agree with the personalization thing. In fact, I teach something called hyper-personalization 
There are 20 different points you could pick out on someone's profile that you could reference when you go to connect with them. You know, I have certain things on my profile, like uh, the, the fact that the Algarve is my home from home and the football team I support and things like that. So when someone references anything that's on my profile, when they go to it to connect with me, I know that they've taken the time to read my profile. And whenever we're teaching salespeople, marketing people, anyone at all, or leaders to connect, then the personalization is absolutely critical. So um, I think it's a, it depends on the role you have in the business as to how open you would be to building a network. And if anyone reads my profile, one of the things they can use is I ask them to personalise connection requests. So that's often a very good clue uh, as well. We're coming towards the end of our time. And I know I said I would I would come back to a certain question. I haven't forgotten. The conversation has flowed a certain way. So I'm going to go to Sam first before Phil on this one. Um, Sam, how much time do you think a busy leader should be looking to invest in their time? Uh, and we'll say on, on LinkedIn. So taking LinkedIn, I would say that a leader could do it in 10 to 15 minutes a day maximum. Um, and that includes engagement and content. If you're posting three times a week um, and you're doing a, a minimal amount of engagement on the newsfeed um, and just going through your connection requests, 10 to 15 minutes a day, everybody's got 10, 10 to 15 minutes a day. And especially if you know that it directly impacts your talent acquisition, you know it directly impacts your own personal brand and reputation and it directly influences how people perceive you within your organization, then t for me, 10 to 15 minutes a day is not something that should be ignored. Uh, and Phil, that question, how long do you spend on LinkedIn and how long do you spend on social media generally? Andy, um, I'm actually within the parameters that, that Sam just referenced there. So uh, generally speaking, uh, about 15 minutes a day in all honesty. So, yeah. so when somebody says... I'm too busy to do that. I, I, I sort of would challenge that and just go, no, it's because it's probably not a priority for you. Yeah. That's the difference. If it was a priority for you, you would make time for it and schedule time for it. So my, my secret source is uh, before I go to work every day, um, I, I am at a coffee shop at seven o'clock in the morning and I spend an hour in the coffee shop. And um, about uh, 35 to 40 minutes of that is reading that's uh, increasing my general knowledge, reading books, and the remaining is doing my social. And so therefore I can get on top of anything. And if I'm thinking I might wanna just, sometimes it will just be, I'll write a LinkedIn post and use that 20 minutes for one single LinkedIn post. Another day it could just be engaging, um, liking things, commenting on things, um, you know, just generally uh, keeping the engagement levels up. I use uh, four social media platforms. So I use uh, LinkedIn. Uh, I have two Twitter accounts, one my professional me and one which is a slightly more personal me uh, talking more to the cycling community. I also use um, Instagram, um, you know, primarily for uh, much more personal things. And I have that one protected. So I, I'm, you know, I'm quite protective about that, that area. That one is really sort of my personal space. So across those, um, I, I probably built up a following of 40 to 50,000 connections, something like that. And so I, I feel I can manage those quite well within that time frame that Sam has mentioned. I think if it got much more substantial than that, then I think you need to proportionately up your the, the amount of time that you do give to it. But absolutely, it should be a priority for you. Uh, fantastic. I, I I know that we we we've. Uh 
position this podcast as about social media generally, but LinkedIn is going to be the primary uh, channel for most business leaders. Uh, so just to finish off, you've you've mentioned you use Twitter, you've mentioned you you've used Instagram. I'm not on Snapchat, so I don't know if you're using that or TikTok, Phil. Uh, but uh, how important for your for your professional role do you think channels other than LinkedIn are, or are there other reasons that you engage with them? Yeah, uh, for me, it is, it is channels fundamentally. Um, you know, LinkedIn is primarily a B two B audience, but equally on Twitter, I, I've carved off a B two B audience uh, in the professional me. Um, but equally, I have a passion for uh, road cycling, and I, I've built yeah. up a community of sort of nine thousand followers or something on, on which we just talk about specifically cycling. So for me, it's always about. Uh, curating for your audience and and sometimes um i think that's it you know how are you being seen as a specialist an expert in your field fundamentally I, i'm not a social influencer um, i'm not trying to be a social influencer i'm not trying to build millions of followers what i am trying to do though is influence people's opinion who who I believe is important, who uh, brother are trying to reach. And therefore, I use primarily uh, Twitter on my B2B part of it, on my B2B profile, and LinkedIn as my two primary channels. But what I will also say, uh, Andy, is that that when you are uh, you know, the, the leader of an organization, you, you have, you've got to be in the content business. And providing you get your head in the content business, what you realize is you've got to give in this competencies, you know, PR is one of those as well. And if you can create content and a great place to practice creating content is social media channels, then you create better content for some of the above the line channels too. So more journalists want to engage with you and you get in some of the high, you know, the highbrow uh, media you know, the telegraphs and management today's all of these sort of places where actually again you get further reach and actually I think you you build your subject matter expertise so so for me um, this is really about getting engaged in the content business and then using the tools available to you regardless of what platform that is to to carry your message and and I do recall um, somebody some years ago, Andy, saying something to me when I was with them, which was, you know, it's not what you know or who you know, <laughs> it's who knows you. And fundamentally, um, content, content creation and use of digital channels is going to really, really add to that. Well, I can't think of a better way of finishing a podcast than having my own words thrown back at me. Uh, and, and you've made a very compelling argument there phil for leaders getting involved in social media sam phil thank you both so much for joining me on the connected leadership podcast thanks andy thanks andy great to have have us on and uh, really excited to get the feedback so thank you very much to both Sam and Phil. I knew that would be an engaging discussion. There were so many more things I could have asked them about, but I th what I like about that conversation is it's both practical, but also makes that compelling argument as to the why you need to, to, to involve. So it's there on the, the, strat the strategic and the tactical level. So hopefully there's a lot you can take from that. Um, if you've enjoyed this, if you found it useful, where better to post it than on LinkedIn? or on other social media channels, leave a review, uh, post a rating, anything that you can do to spread the word and help us get more listeners to the podcast, that would be great. And whatever you do, join us again next week for another Connected Leadership podcast.
Thank you for listening to the Connected Leadership Podcast. If you found this valuable, please subscribe, tell your colleagues and friends, share on social media, and post a review on the podcast channel you use to listen to it. And of course, join us again soon for another interesting interview and great Connected Leadership tips.